0: We take ourselves wherever we go, Mm, which means if you haven't done any of the personal growth from the first breakup, you're going to bring all those habits and patterns into a second relationship, Mm -hmm. into a third marriage. We always think that it's them. It's their fault. They're the reason why we broke up.
1: This week, divorce specialist Laura Bonariga joins us to discuss how couples in their second or maybe even third marriages can thrive. Stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and self-promote here. I've co-authored my first book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, and it's part biography, part self-help, part leadership book and a part sports story and it's very inspirational it tells the story of the ucla gymnastics head coach valerie condos field who has become one of the winningest coaches in ncaa history yet she never did gymnastics in fact she's never even played competitive sports in her life she was a professional ballerina as you can imagine she has an amazing story and she is an amazing person and i'm really proud of the book that we have put together It's out now wherever books are sold. And again, it is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Oh, and if you read it, please leave a review or email to let me know what you think. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am excited because we have a new guest on this week. Uh, The guest is Laura Bonarigo who is a certified life coach and a certified divorce coach. You can get more information at her website, Laura That's B O N A R R I G O.com. Uh, so first and foremost, welcome, Laura. It's nice to have you on.
0: So great to be here,
1: Steve. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Uh, so today, so as I mentioned in the, um, your brief little bio there, uh, you are a certified divorce coach and a certified life coach. And so mm-hmm. with that being said, we are going to talk about um, second marriages. And so coming <laughs> out of that, coming out of that divorce um, right. or having been divorced, I should say. Um, and, it, you know, we say second, it could be third or whatever. So uh, so with that being said, what is the number one complaint for couples that you hear regarding their ex?
0: So when Somebody comes to me or they talk to me about a marriage that didn't work out, their ex or a relationship that didn't work out. Um, There are so many different reasons. Right. But the number one reason most people don't stay married is because they're no longer intimate.
1: Hmm. Okay. And and so intimacy, could you define that a little bit?
0: So it's not a great question, right, Steve? Because intimacy, we always think of as sexual relations. Uh But especially for women, intimacy means communication. It means being able to talk with one another. It means uh, being able to set the mood, if you will, long before um, an act or uh, sexual relations occur. Mm -hmm. So intimacy means in many ways, for different people, being seen, being heard, being acknowledged, being recognized, because when there is a safe environment, um, we tend to have more sexual relations.
1: Right. Okay. And, I know this is such a broad question and there is no simple, easy answer, but I'm going to ask the follow-up here, which is, do you have a, an easy tip that somebody could listen to this podcast and take away and immediately implement where they can become a little bit more intimate to help kind of fight this off?
0: Go home and ask your partner how their day was and listen to them. (laughs) I love that. It's really simple.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I See, uh, it's funny because we have, um, I mean, we've done over 500 episodes on this podcast. And one of the (laughs) most remarkable things to me is how simple it can be just by asking your spouse. And we like to overcomplicate things and we like to, well, if I come in and I do this and I do that. And it's like, you can just talk to them. You can just ask them what they need, what (laughs) they want. That's Uh, right. And it's so shocking at how foreign sometimes that concept is. Um, and I also recognize that sometimes a relationship is really broken. We're just having that conversation is difficult, but that, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully people listening to this podcast haven't gotten that far down the rabbit hole. Um, so the second thing I have for you is what surprises, so we're talking about couples who have remarried. So what surprises most Mm -hmm. couples in their new marriage? Because they already have some of that past experience. Mm
0: -hmm. So I think what is most surprising to people is that we take ourselves wherever we go,
1: Mm, uh which
0: means if you haven't done any of the personal growth from the first breakup, you're going to bring all those habits and patterns into a second relationship, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: into a third marriage. We always think that it's them. It's their fault. They're the reason why we broke up sure, we can verbally say, hey, I know I had my part in this too. It wasn't just them. It was me too. I had my stuff, but I worked on my stuff. But what we don't realize is that there's actually that stuff and that part of the process, which is the working on, the healing process, the growing process is a lot bigger, longer, deeper than we want to acknowledge.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think the hard yeah, yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, please.
0: Well, I, I was just going to say that um, the hard part, the thing that's really hard to grasp around divorce and really in relationships, but um, we pick a partner to grow sort of in the big, big sense. Mm-hmm. So when divorce happens, it doesn't happen to, between two healthy, growing people. Two people broke up that marriage, not one. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of pushback on that and you probably will too, <laughs> but they had the affair. They're the ones who cheated. They didn't have to cheat. Mm-hmm. And once I start working with somebody and we dig a little bit deeper, we recognize that we allowed them to cheat. We couldn't hear them express what they needed We turned a blind eye to their addictions or to their proclivities. We couldn't be who they needed us to be. And we let ourselves down by not speaking up, by not showing up, by not communicating, by not insisting that we be seen. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's always two people. And that's really hard to get. So then people go get married again, blah, 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 we get married again. Then all of a sudden that they themselves are in a new relationship and they haven't dealt with their stuff.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's um, I'm going to bring this up a little bit later. But statistically, we know that people who divorce are also more likely to divorce a second time. Mm -hmm. than somebody who's never divorced and a third time. Right.
0: And a third time keeps going up. That's right.
1: And it's, I think, I think you nailed the, uh, or hit the nail on the head here with the fact that you, you take yourself into each of these relationships. And so Mm -hmm. that, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, I I call it post-traumatic divorce disorder. Oh, I like that. I haven't heard that before.
0: Yeah. And, and it's a condition it's a state of mind. It's a condition. It'll affect everything going forward. If you don't clear up and heal the deep rooted beliefs and things that happened. So one of my clients said to me, it's post-traumatic marriage disorder. I was like, Oh, I like that. Uh, (laughs) you know, it's just, you have to do your healing work. You, you were part of the breakup.
1: Mm -hmm. So when you say that, that doing the healing work, Mm. uh, I think a lot of people might hear this and say like, oh, great. She's going to tell me to go to therapy. <laughs> what? what? <Yeah. laughs> right. And so um, and that might be need- needed and necessary. But um, what what kind of healing are you talking about? How can people go about that? Where can they find that reflection for themselves?
0: So. I have a lot of resources that I cater to a lot of people in breakups, whether they've never been married or they've been through multiple marriages, and um, I think that therapy is great. I, I have a lot of really good therapist friends. And then what typically happens, what I often see, is that we now know from the therapist that we married an addict, or we are codependent, or they are an alcoholic, or I need to go to Al Anon. And once we get the labels, which therapy is fantastic for, because mm-hmm. when you know the label, you can then do a course of action.
1: You identify the problem.
0: Right. Right. You can do it. Then you can go on. And, but the thing is, is that then what? hmm Because if you don't know how to allow yourself to change, you're going to go after what's very, very familiar, which is the same type of person. Mm-hmm. So we see that all the time with people who leave. Um, Let's—I I hate to use this expression, but I'm just use it—an alcoholic, right? Okay. They—they right. they leave an alcoholic. All of us sort of know what an alcoholic is. That's an easy thing. We see it. We have resources for it. People can get help. Families can get help. Super clear. We understand. But if you haven't done your part in the growing and decided that you no longer want to be with alcoholics, you're going to attract somebody else who is on a path to self-destruction, maybe an alcoholic, maybe somebody even more dangerous, more, um, um, who could possibly hurt you more. Mm -hmm. So therapy doesn't do that part. Therapy doesn't help you figure out, okay, I get what I did all over this. I understand this was all my part. I get it. Now what? Mm -hmm. And so as a life coach, I want to move somebody beyond the story of their divorce. I want to help them learn to allow somebody safe into their life. Because safety to somebody who's used to an alcoholic is dangerous. They're not wired for safety. They're wired to deal with somebody who they, who's um, potentially unpredictable, perhaps violent, perhaps grouchy. They're not wired for safety and love and all the things that we think we want in relationships. So that's the kind of healing work that I'm talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I often think when people are dealing with crises within their own uh, relationships, uh, they don't have time to reflect on themselves, right? No, so- no, 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 they
0: don't. And frankly, let's be really fair, Stephen, we... Also in crises, don't get remarried. So you asked me like Mm -hmm. the, about the second marriage,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what's the biggest eye opener? Mm -hmm. If they haven't done their healing work, what are they doing getting married? Mm. So I'm not talking about crisis. Crisis is a totally different mindset. I would never do self-reflection during crisis. We're putting up emotional boundaries. We're putting up safe boundaries. I'm helping somebody get to a, to a shelter. I'm getting a family into financial uh, management, making sure a kid doesn't get kicked out of school. I'm helping them walk through a trial. That's crisis moment. That's totally different than, oh, I'm falling in love with somebody new.
1: Got it. Mm. Got it. Uh, so what might be most helpful for couples to take... From their first marriage into their second marriage or third.
0: Um, I think the thing that we don't do enough of is regenerate ourselves. We're so dependent upon other people to fuel our spirits, to justify our importance, to um, to respect us. I'm not saying that any of that isn't important, but we have an opportunity in our culture to take on the responsibility of getting it up for ourselves. So for example, taking time out of the day to just, I don't know, breathe yoga, meditate, get a massage, take a walk, uh, play with the dog, um, men often don't get a chance to unwind. They let, let's say in the, um, let's do a, Um, a, a horrible stereotypical example of a man who works and a woman who stays home. <laughs> okay. He doesn't, I hate that. I hate that, yeah, but that, it yeah. just helps, right? We all know it. Uh-huh. So he doesn't have a chance often to unwind. He doesn't get that hour to work out. Maybe he needs to incorporate uh, a night out a week with the buddies or taking a run or reading a book at the end of the day whereas that woman who stays home all day she never gets a break either cuz she's running the home and we all know that running a home is a full-time job we just don't get paid for it so that means when does she get a break when does she see her girlfriends when does she does she take a run before he leaves in the morning before she has to get the kids up you know when do they have a date night mm-hmm. when do they have a chance to just recharge the romance of their relationship. So it's sort of a they have to recharge themselves and then they have to recharge each other. That, that intimacy, that connection.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be important. Yeah. It's funny you, you bring that up. The, the downtime I I'm reminded, and I, I wish I remembered the, uh, the actual statistics on this, but back when the, the major economic collapse happened in the, I can't remember. I think it was in the early two thousands and yeah. a lot of pubs closed in England mm. and it changed, um, some of the like cultural lifestyle habits because it was very common going back to your stereotypical scenario, the man going mm-hmm. to work. So mm-hmm. it was very common for them to go to work, hit the pub, meet up with their friends, have, have a pint and then go home. Mm -hmm. And they had that gap between their Mm -hmm. life and their home life where they were allowed to and able to decompress. And when the pub started closing, because the work uh, wasn't there any longer, um, there was a rise in like marital spats and disputes. And I don't know if it actually bumped in divorces or not, but I remember it was like this story that I remember seeing back in the day about this side effect that you had no idea was like (laughs) actually a thing, right? Like and you would think like, oh, closing of pubs, that's probably a good thing. But actually it it like took away that decompression time and was causing issues for a lot of people, which which I think is a a very interesting um, side effect that people don't take into consideration.
0: I suppose that um, if you live in a metropolitan area, you get to com- if you commute by mass transit, that may or may not be a decompression. I know in the metropo- New York City metropolitan area where I live, there I don't know if this is still going on, but sometimes the trains would have a have a club car, so you would you, the guys and women would tend to congregate with their friends on the train on the commuting, uh-huh. and so. All of those things remind us that we're individuals who choose to be in um, relationship, partnership. And we take that for granted so often. Uh And I'm constantly reminding people that every single day you make the choice of being in your relationship because you don't have to be in a relationship anymore. Right. (laughs) Right. So what are you doing there? If you don't want to be there, find a way to graciously navigate out of it. But if you are there, know that it's a conscious choice.
1: And I think the next step to that is when you are choosing to be there and you know you're choosing to be there, what are you doing to make that a better experience?
0: Correct. Correct. Without sucking the other person dry, like <laughs> literally and figuratively, like, yes. oh, my God, I just can't take this anymore. Yeah. You know, so it's really important, I think, too, for relationships is we call it um, self care. Mm-hmm. And I always cringe when I use these like um, <laughs> I know. expressions because they're so overused. Yeah. But really and truly, if you have nothing left, what do you have to give? So we we have to refuel.
1: Yeah. It's one of my my favorite um, metaphors for this is when you're on an airplane and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they talk about Mm -hmm. if the cabin loses pressure, put oxygen mask on first and then help the person next to you second. Because if you pass out because you haven't taken care of yourself, you are of no use to anybody else on that airplane. Well, I think that's the same in – in relationships, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so kids exponentially complicate the dynamics of a relationship with an ex. Mm-hmm. Is there a top common rule to follow there?
0: Um, meaning, um, help me understand. Okay, so let me at ask which you this. point? Let, at which, which me, point? Yeah,
1: I guess. I guess what the, a, a common question might be: What would be the biggest issue? that mm-hmm. comes about because of kids. And I'm if I were, if I were to take a stab at it, uh, I would – well, I don't know. Is, is there is there a top issue that comes up?
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to help you tease yeah. this out a little bit because yeah. I think if I could deliver a message to your audience, this would be it.
1: Okay, perfect. But,
0: okay. The hard part, being a single parent, who has their own personal needs, right – We all leave marriages and most of the people who leave marriages want to have sex. That's like, again, we're leaving because there's no communication. There's no intimacy. So it's really hard as a single parent to balance the needs of your children with your personal physiological needs of intimacy. Mm -hmm. A good romp in the hay. And what people do is they rush that because it doesn't matter what you and I talk about. If somebody has a chance to have sex, they're going to disregard everything I say. And I always tell my clients that Uh I I understand if you have an orgasm, you're not listening to me. I get it. Don't Uh you worry. We'll deal with the fallout. However, in the quest for that hormonal hit, People rush relationships over and over and over and over again. It's typically a man who will bring a woman into his life and they start playing house. Uh. And the kids are not ready for that. And so that's the hardest thing is to understand that when you don't have your children, that's when you get to be sexual. Mm hmm. And unless you are willing to put a wedding band on the person you're sleeping with, they really can't be around your kids. Got it. Because the kids can't watch somebody else leave. It's not fair to them. They get abandonment issues.
1: Mm-hmm. And They're I'm,
0: already going through their first divorce.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a uh, that's a great way of putting it. You're right. And I'm assuming the younger, the harder it is too.
0: really hard because over and over again. And I, I go through this with clients who don't want to listen to me because I tell you, if they get an orgasm, everything we've talked about goes out the window.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that and, and that's why we're here as a species. Right. If orgasms didn't feel so good, we wouldn't be here. So I understand what we're up against. I understand what I'm up against. However, your child doesn't understand that. Mm-hmm. They're not having that experience. So when you play house and you bring a girlfriend in, it's typically the men who bring a girlfriend in, but women do this way too much as well. Um, the children will get comfortable knowing them. They'll, it'll feel um, like they belong. Or the exact antithesis, they hate them and they don't want them there. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a, a little bit more nuanced. But and then what happens is is typically that person you're having great sex with doesn't stick around. They're they're normally around for a period of time. They're they're important, but they're really to help you get your yayas out during a very stressful period of your life. I always say they get you from, you know, the really hard stuff to something a little bit more measured.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe they're getting you through your divorce. And then when they leave what are the kids supposed to do? What do you mean another woman's leaving? Or what do you mean? What do you mean another man is leaving? I don't want you know. I have, I have kids who don't want to meet their parents' lovers. No. So it's really important as a that's the number one thing as a single parent to consider.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, essentially, taking your child's uh, emotional needs into consideration. Uh, You're a parent. Yep. Yep. They didn't okay. ask for the divorce. Right. Um, I have one final question, but I feel like mm-hmm. we hit on it. So okay. I will ask instead, do you have any parting thoughts for somebody who is in a second or third or some sub subsequent marriage, um, how, how this one can stick and be the one that breaks the cycle, uh, that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier about statistically, you know,
0: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm so um there are um i think it's dr patricia allen who talks about the three things we need for relationships we need chemistry we need communication and we need compatibility and the tough thing is is that chemistry is hormonal and that will Go through ebbs and flows. And when it dies down, we forget to communicate. And then we start to get back into our own little habits and behaviors. So then the compatibility has a potential for rupturing the relationship. Mm. And what we forget is that we pair up to grow. I said that at the very beginning of the yeah. call. And it's really important to allow yourself to grow. You are allowed to grow. You're allowed to shift, but you need to stay in communication with your partner because if, and they have to be on board with that and people say they're on board, but then they resent it or they don't understand it or they're afraid of it. And so one of the things I've learned, um, the older I've gotten and the more coaching I've done is that none of us really do this by ourselves. It, it really does take having, uh, um, an education or inserting yourself into a program where you can learn things, you can do it yourself. You can read books. You can listen to these podcasts. You can read articles or you can hire a coach and say, Hey, I really want to work on my marriage. Or how do I talk to my husband? Or how do I talk to my wife? How do I have more sex with my wife? You know, one of the things that there's so many ways that we can continue growing and learning, We have so much available to us. Like as a couple, make that a pact. We're going to grow together. We're not going to grow old and die sitting at a kitchen table or my worst scenario at a restaurant where we don't talk to one another,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. like decide what kind of relationship do you really want to have? If you want a vibrant relationship, you actually have to do the work to keep it vibrant.
1: Yeah. it. I mean, by definition, uh, growth requires change. Correct. And it's interesting because we also know statistically that divorce happens um, usually when the empty nest happens. And it's because couples uh, have one perhaps may have grown or they might have both grown, but they've grown apart because they haven't been in communication getting back to one of your C's. And Mm -hmm. so then the kids leave and then they have to like reconnect and there's that compatibility problem because it's like, and and typically
0: no chemistry at that point either. Right. If we're going along with that scenario, because hormones change for men and women in their forties, fifties and sixties. And there's plenty of stuff men and women can do to offset lack of chemistry. Yeah. And there's so much available uh to learn.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. And so when you're talking about, um, you know, they might be afraid. And I think a lot of people in by, by nature, they're afraid of change. But if you <laughs> have that ongoing communication and you have that, um, that intimacy going back to one of the first things that we spoke about, mm-hmm. that change is part of the growing together. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm excited about in my relationship is I feel like I am a different person than I was when I got married mm. for the better, for the better, mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy about that and glad about that. And so I think that scares a lot of people. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times people talk about like, this isn't the person I married and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I would hope it would be. Thank God. I would hope it (laughs) would be exactly right. (laughs) And that's always presented as this like negative thing. And I always think like, God, why would I want to be that person? That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. I, I wish that for every couple, because again, why be married?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this, this was fantastic, Laura. I think this is a great, uh, spot to stop at. So I want to thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you on and very insightful. So thank you so much.
0: You are so welcome. Thank you.
1: Uh, So before we go, I want to remind our listeners, you have been listening to Laura Bonarigo, who is a certified life coach and a certified divorce coach. You can get more information at her website, laurabonarigo.com. Laura is a writer, a speaker, and the founder of Doing Divorce School, an online coaching program for those ready to shed the pain of divorce. Laura speaks on empowering and practical ways to lose the identity of your past from healthy new relationships and build a new, healthy second marriage. Um, and again, you can get that at laurafonarigo.com. Of course, you can find this information at our website, hitchmag.com And as I do each week, I highly recommend subscribing to our newsletter. It's free. It goes out once a week. Uh, it includes the top articles from the week as well as the most recent uh, podcast episode. So if you haven't signed up, Uh, And with that, it's uh, another podcast in the books. So until next time, take care, everybody. Hey, hey, hey! Are you ready? We look into each other's eyes. We know that it's showtime. Showtime. Clear our heads of all our worries and fears. Now we know it's go.